Okay, hello everyone. I am very honored to have with us here a leader of the truth movement, James Corbett. He's from the CorbettReport.com and Corbett Report everywhere else, YouTube, Twitter, uh, documentaries. Um, he's all over the place. Just Google his name, uh, YouTube his name, Twitter his name. You'll find him literally everywhere. And wherever you look at the top ranked things especially, you'll find in-depth research. In fact, I've got, a, I've got an icon for you, uh, James, that you can put up on your site if you want to, something like this, because you go deep and you present heavy stuff. <laughs> if I could make that anchor into a smile, I would. <laughs> In such a good way, it's digestible, it's simple to understand, it's very enjoyable to listen to, so I don't get tired of it. Sometimes the anger, I feel it as well. I identify with the anger, but it gets too much. But with you, it's never, it's never angry. So I, I love it, James. I, I don't know. I, I tried to introduce you. I can't do it. There's too much here. There's really too much. The people, the places, the documentaries, the content, uh, the strategy that you've got. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just um, forfeit uh, the, the introduction part. Can I go to you, James? Tell us about yourself and what is your vision for what you do? Well, that is a very broad question. Let's see how I answer that. Um, I am, hmm, what, how, do you, how do you finish that, that sentence? Well, I'm someone who was born and grew up in Canada and spent the first couple decades of my life there. Um, and I ultimately ended up going to Ireland for a year to study uh, Anglo-Irish literature at Trinity College Dublin. And then I was thinking, what to do with my life? What do I do? I don't know. I just want to kill a year, see a new part of the globe, do something interesting. So I decided to go to Japan. And uh, one year became two years, three years, four years. What is it now? 14 years. I have a family here and a house. So I'm established in Japan. And it was about 2006 that I started falling down the rabbit hole that I'm sure your audience can understand and relate to, suddenly finding all this information about things that I never knew. I'd never been presented this information before in my life. Why is that? And the more I looked and the more I dug up, the more astounded I was at the discrepancy between what I thought I knew and this information, this verifiable information that I was coming up with. And eventually that discrepancy got so broad that I felt I had to insert myself into that somehow. Here we are in the internet age I better start a website. I had never in my life envisioned starting a website, starting a podcast, being a YouTube star or anything of the sort. It was preposterous to me, but here I was, and I all I knew is I was uncovering this information and I had to help share it with uh, other people. So that was the impetus behind the website. And one of the founding ideas that I was basing the, the what, what the Corbett Report was going to be and what it was going to be about was the idea of open source intelligence news. That's the tagline for the site. And from the beginning, it always struck me, here we are in the internet age, but even some of the podcasts and things that I was listening to at that time, they were talking about documents or citing these different interviews and videos and articles and things, but they weren't linking you to them. 
And I was thinking, this is crazy. Here we are in the internet age. I could create show notes for everything that I do so that when I talk about things, you can go and actually look look at it for yourself. You know, why would anyone take my word for anything? No, I'll put the sources in everything that I'm talking about. And that has been one of the founding precepts of the corporate report. And that's carried over into everything I do. The What originally started as just a podcast quickly became articles and videos and interviews and sort of this broad sprawl of information but the founding ideology of all of that is hey we're in an open source age you know 99% of the information that we need to at least start constructing a mental map of the world is already out there we don't need you know some elaborate spy agency we are this global grid of information that we are sharing and, and discovering things all the time but let's just organize that information and put it into some sort of useful package for people that's what i hope the corporate report can do Yes, that package makes us all feel like researchers, even if we haven't researched once, because it's all right there, laid out, digestible. And if we look through it, we get a sense for what you've already done, which is fantastic, which enables us to research further. Whenever we have a topic, we can say, oh, well, well how would James do it? I mean, I'm probably paraphrasing it. People may, may or may not think in those terms, but once they identify with how you've done it, it's easy to duplicate that it's well, it's easy to duplicate in theory, but I got to tell you, some of the stuff you dig up, James, the stuff on on just for example, 9/11. I've watched a lot of 9/11 stuff before, and listened to and read and 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 read around, and tried to put some of the pieces together. But your thing lays it all out with the money trail, like I've never seen anyone even come close to. So, when I say you make it easy, it probably you probably make it look easy and feel easy, which is a, a fantastic job. It's a it's a credible way to, um, to uh, I mean you you've done you've done a lot in the truth movement. Uh, thanks a lot for that, James. What what woke you up first? You said two thousand and six. I'm intrigued. What was the first? Do you remember the first either topic or or group of topics that woke you up? Well, I certainly noticed earlier before 2006 there were certain topics that i found interesting and i knew there was more to it than what was being presented uh jfk as an example i mean i never really believed oswald was the lone nut and that kind of thing there was clearly something to it but i never really fell down the hole and started digging up all the information it was 9 11 that was my gateway conspiracy drug as it were um that was the one where uh, for five years, from 2001 to 2006, I completely and utterly dismissed any idea of conspiracy. You, you know, if, if people even raised the idea, I thought, oh, that's just, that's crazy, that's stupid. I get it, there are conspiracies that happen, but why do people talk about conspiracies with everything? This wasn't a conspiracy, it was what it was. I'd even read the 9-11 Commission report, unironically read it, because I remember reading in, uh, I think it was the Japan Times or something, co-published uh, published some like Washington Post editorials and things, and one of them that they published was uh, this review of the 9-11 Commission, and they were saying, oh, this is great, it's not like a government report, it's written like a narrative and you can get involved in it. So I actually went and bought and read the 9-11 Commission when it came out, and I, that's the story, that's it. Oh, they've got it all lined up. So fast forward to 2006, and here I am, and I've told this story before on my podcast, but basically I moved into a new apartment in Japan, and that apartment came with an internet connection. It was the first time I'd had an internet connection in my home for years. So I suddenly had all this access to information immediately, instantly, at my fingertip. I didn't have to go to an internet cafe or whatever. I was at home just browsing to my heart's content, 
And me being me, I was interested in politics and things like that. So I was on YouTube looking at documentaries and suddenly I started getting these related videos in the sidebar, 9-11 something something, and I'd click on it. And, oh, it's just another crazy conspiracy thing. And I'd close it down. And sometimes they'd be just stupid things about the flying orbs on 9-11 that were dictating what was happening or whatever. Uh, but eventually, I'd, and I, I don't know at this point, I don't remember what it was, but it's something was intriguing enough that I thought, well, that's interesting. And I, I had to verify it. You know, was, was Osama bin Laden really getting dialysis treatment in, in the summer of 2001? And did the French intelligence agency really say that, they, that he, they'd met with him? And what was, what's this about? And so I dig into that and then I dig into the other thing. I dig it a little bit more. And gradually, I mean, it, it's the snowball rolling downhill. It's the process where, hey, the more you look into it, the more you realize, well, there is something there. Oh, that I can confirm that piece. Oh, that's that's not what I was told. And eventually, you know, the snowball just starts to accumulate. But the thing that was the real, I think, penny drop moment for me, I mean, I got to the point where I had to say, well, yeah, okay, I mean, 9-11 clearly was not what they told us it was. But what does that mean? And, you know, what? So what's going on? The penny drop moment for me was probably watching um, The Money Masters uh, and realizing, oh, the entire monetary system itself is a matrix of control that has been instituted so fundamentally that even the idea of asking, where does money come from? Oh, it comes from trees. I mean, it's just, it's a joke to most people. And that's what's in, put into your head from when you're a child. Don't even think about where money comes from or why or how. It's just there. And you just have to slave your entire life to get these pieces of paper. But once I realized, oh, the Federal Reserve System and the central banks and the control of money, that's when I started to go, oh, okay. And that opened up the door to me understanding that the entire system that I've thought I knew about the world was completely wrong. Many people identify with that same elements of that same story, 9-11 and the money. Certainly myself was money first. And I, I notice um, your top ranked uh, video is 9-11, a conspiracy theory. It's only five minutes long. It's everything in five minutes that you could want to hear about 9-11. Um, and it's there. 2.9 million views, and I know that's far under the real amount of views, James, because I know there's other clips of that same thing somewhere mm -hmm. else. So it's probably multiples of that, maybe at least twice that. Uh, and it's a fan, if anyone hasn't seen if anything from you before, I would encourage just to look at that and you'll get a sense of the depth of research, the hard hitting information and the positive way of presenting and why it's got so many hits. Beautiful. James, what made you a great researcher? How did you learn that skill? Did it come naturally? Uh, yes. So how did I learn it? I don't know. Um, I was always, I mean, people always talk about their traumatic experiences in school and that sort of thing. Well, not me. I was always a good student and I always knew how to regurgitate facts on tests. Uh, that was just something that came naturally to me. I always knew how to write and how to construct arguments. I learned about how research and referencing and, and I was an English major. So what do you do with an English degree? Well, at least I learned how to write a paper and construct a thesis and put our, our documentation into backup that thesis and references and all of that. So that was already all there, I guess. I mean, but I, I did know once I got to that master's degree in, in Ireland and I got my master's, and the, 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 it was kind of the exit interview for the master's program. They're like, well, what do you, what do you, what's your next step? And I'm like, 
I think I'm off the academia carousel. I'm not interested in this. I don't want to be an academic. I don't want to produce, pursue a PhD. I could think of nothing more stultifying for someone like myself than spending seven years or whatever it is at this point, focusing on one tiny granular little detail of one niche subject until you know everything about that tiny little subject. I'm much more intellectually curious than that. And I, I want to see the connections between things. So I, academia never really interested me. But that reference and research and being able to produce a thesis and, and, and argue it effectively was already there. Your ability to raise questions as well, James. One of the things I've done on a Facebook page was address climate change. There is infighting in the uh, truth movement, let's say, about what is climate change? Is it a conspiracy? Is it man-made? Is it somewhere in between? Are parts of both somewhere uh, mixed into that uh, truth? Well, on one page called um, Climate Change and Open Discussion, I posted your Orwell's Nightmare Temperature Adjustments and Climate Change, where you document very clearly actual cases of temperature adjustments. So uh, once again, here's where you come to the fore. It's not a belief system that you present. It's facts that you present. And it's, and it's facts that should be studied, even if you believe that climate change is human-made, which I, I don't discount. I'm sure there's effects of that. But the, the case of looking at evidence and saying, that's not true, you're a conspiracy theorist, there it is. And I've got from that, on that site, this is a, a 331 comments, and it was only liked by three people on that site. <laughs> so, Sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do absolutely cover the uh, subjects that are quite controversial, even within the truth movement. No one, there are many people who will be like, oh, I agree with you on so many things, but why are you such an idiot about climate change or, or, uh, you know, why, why do you think the, that overpopulation isn't a problem? We can't have infinite growth forever, aren't you? You're such a... So there are definitely contentious issues like that. But um, again, I, I hope I do just lay out facts uh, that I have and then put, together, put that together in, well, this is why I believe what I believe. And I'm not telling people what to believe, certainly. And there's always two ways to argue any, any given set of facts. You could take those same facts that I put in the Orwell's Nightmare Temperature Adjustments video, and you could say, well, yeah, of course, because they're just uh, upgrading and refining and, and getting better with their, their ways of uh, compu computing temperature averages and things. I mean, they're, they're adjusting and refining their models. That's good. Well, yeah, okay, I guess you could argue that. I tend to go the other way and say, no, isn't it funny how all of the adjust adjustments always make the past cooler and the present warmer so that it looks like a more dr dramatic increase? Isn't that strange how it's always in that direction? But uh, they, anyway, yeah. And, and they don't, and they forget to tell us that they adjusted it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The people you associate with also, James, quite, quite admirable. I, I got, I think for me, the wake up was J G. Edward Griffin's um, uh, Jekyll Island, uh, one the hardest hitting book on the Federal Reserve, at least at the time that he wrote it. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts, Eva Bartlett, Tim Anderson, documentaries about the war and what drives the war. You won't find a harder hitting topic about more pain and misery or at the same time, more profit to be made, which is an utter shame of humanity. And if we can't speak up about that, then it's a shame on us. You, What you gave to a lot of us is in a, a way, a path of bringing up the topic and addressing it in a way that doesn't have to bring out our worst elements of, you know, 
anger, uh, revenge, feelings of discontentment, uh, unsettling feelings. You you bring out this other side, and, and I just want to say thanks for that, James. Um, it's it's been it's been really great. How did you come up with that idea? Is it your style? It's who I am, and I couldn't pretend to be anywhere any, any other way. And I don't want to sound like some you know fairy tale or Star Wars fantasy or something like this, but truly, I mean, anger and hatred and vengeance are not constructive ways to to address any problem, let alone the most important and fundamental problems facing us. And I think it's truly a question of either we will come together and find a way to get rid of the the sort of cancerous element of the psycho psychopathic class that unfortunately it finds itself in positions of power, either we will come together on that or it's over. Uh, there's no fighting with the the you know the other side of the political aisle or, or the, those types of you know arguments between people who are at the same rung of the power pyramid as us. Those arguments are not ever going to produce anything fundamentally constructive. All it's going to do is divide and conquer us further. So I always try to look for on the solution side of things. It's always about what can we do to improve our actual material conditions to the point where instead of going to beg for better scraps from the master's table and fighting with other people in order to get those scraps, why don't we start our own table and we'll feed ourselves and we will create the system we want and we will step into that system and to hell with whatever the masters are doing. That's, that's my vision. Very wise, James. And um, yeah, I, I guess that's the path forward. So uh, that, I hope that viral, if anyone wants to copy anything on any of my interviews, they're welcome. It's common, it's, it's set up as a common uh, access. Creative Commons? Yes, yes, Creative Commons. So I, I encourage anyone to rip uh, any part of it, make their own introduction, put music to it, whatever, set it out there because the content is very important. And I'm, I think we just got a golden nugget there, James. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I would just like to echo that. I do that with my work as well. It's Creative Commons. People are free to use, remix, whatever, however it works. That's fine. Uh, I obviously I appreciate it if people can link back to the original, but you don't have to. Just take this information and share it with other people. That's why I created the website. I ask people to at least give credit to the people, to uh, the guests that make the statements. So uh, I hope people, I, I'm sure most people will do that. So. Um, any advice you have, or, or maybe I guess two questions come to mind at the moment, James. The model that you currently run, obviously it's um, research everything, put everything out there, make it as deep as possible and as fun to listen to as possible and link up with all these people and resources. Uh, I, I suppose there's more, there's, there's more to it than that, but that's what I see. And um, how, how does that model work and what advice do you have for just general people, your general audience who want to do more than just listen? Yeah, that's always the hardest question because I'm addressing individuals with individual unique talents and abilities and skills and strengths and weaknesses, but trying to address all of them together. So how do you do that? I mean, on one-on-one, -on -one, perhaps something more uh, nuanced could be provided. But in the, the general sense, I, I'm sure people have heard this before, but all I can say is, Whatever your strengths are, whatever your abilities are, whatever it is that you can do is what you should be doing. So for some people, that's going to be 
uh, it's going to be some creative thing. Maybe they're a musician or artist or something. They can put some of this information in their work in a way to spread it to other people in a way that I couldn't possibly do myself. Or maybe some people are like me and they want to start a podcast or something. I say just go for it. Um, the biggest obstacle to actually accomplishing anything in life is to wait until everything's just perfect and oh i don't know is I, oh i'm not sure if i'm happy with that no i didn't go back and listen to my first podcast i had no idea what i was doing i was a complete amateur i had total amateur equipment i had a 20 dollars microphone from the electronics store that was a total piece of crap but i just went out there and i did it and i did it and i did it and i did it and Hopefully, eventually I got better and I certainly got better equipment thanks to my listeners providing me with it because amazingly enough, you put something out there in the world and people will come to it. If it's from a real place of, of authenticity and if you bring something to the table, people will come to the table. It's the same analogy maybe as before, create our own table and we don't have to beg for scraps from the masters. Become the media, then you don't have to worry about the fake news. That's the real solution, which is, of course, why we're now starting to see the various attempts to clamp down on the free and open internet in various ways and copyright laws and things that they're going to use to try to put the independent media in a bubble. But hey, at least at this precise moment, you can start your, your own web page, preferably, but you can start a blog or whatever it is or a podcast. Get out there and get that information out. And for people who can't do that, uh, again, it's whatever you can do. There are people who are people people and they, they have hundreds of friends and contacts and whatever, and they can find ways to pass this information along. Preferably, I would say, probably strategically, not a good idea to just start making, you know, blanket mass emails of, you know, we're all going to die and here's the, <laughs> here's the proof kind of stuff. Uh, that turns tends to turn people off, although I suppose there are some people that would resonate with it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just be a human being to other people and share this information. Don't be afraid or you know, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't share this because people might think I'm crazy. Don't be afraid of people's judgment on it, but at least do it sensibly and listen to what other people say as well. Be a real human being in real interactions with people and you can reach people in a way that you never could if you're just screaming from a, a street corner. Having said that, I also say whatever is your own personal style is the is the way you should present your information. You can't become someone else. I could never pretend to be someone different or present this information in any other way than what comes naturally to me. And if I did, it would sound wooden and stilted and, and, and inauthentic. So I just have to be who I am and I communicate the way I do. And I know some people resonate with that and some people hate the way I talk or the sound of my voice or the way I look or, you know, 18 million different things. Yeah, it's just the way the cookie crumbles and you're not going to please everyone all the time. But there is an audience out there that would resonate with any given style. So I say just put it out there in the way that you can, in the form that you can, in the style that you can, given the means that you can. And don't worry about the consequences because that's another thing people get too caught up in. I must convert this, my friend, he must understand this. And when you go in with that mindset, you're very likely to lose a friend out of that deal. Um, because if it's all or nothing and all you can do is you must agree with me, then you're not having an authentic human interaction in a way that's going to make someone want to be your friend. Um, if you can be friends with someone that you disagree with, in a way, that's even better because in they can try to show you their point of view and maybe you can get corrected or at least it strengthen your own arguments and you can provide information to them and 
who knows? I mean, I don't claim to have the lock on truth. I know everything in the world and I can never be wrong and no one will ever tell me something I don't already know. No, of course. So I, I value human interaction and interacting even with people that I disagree with. And I don't try to proselytize to people. So those are my general pieces of advice. I know, again, it's difficult because individual situations vary so much, but I think that's something that's applicable to everybody that's listening. Yeah, people can listen to that and resonate with it as with your other stuff, James. Um, you put out so much um, and it's uh, it's made an impact. 1,300 uh, interviews, uh, 260,000 subscribers just to the Corbett Report. You've got um, um, 600,000 hits on Google that I could find according to some keyword. I tried to make a keyword search that was sensible because I know there are other James Corbett's out there. And I guess 10 million hits would be very conservative. Probably 100 million hits is more close to reasonable because 10 million is just on, on, on if I accumulate, you know, your top videos. So you made a huge impact, no question about it, and your stuff is fantastic, no question about it. What challenges have you had from the machine? Um, any, any censorship, any, any threats, uh, whether direct or indirect, or has it been clean sailing in that regard? You know, this is the part that I think would surprise a lot of people because I myself, and I know most of the people who contact me, expect that as soon as you stick your head up above the parapet, it's going to get shot off and it's all cloak and daggers and everything's, you know, secret backdoor intelligence operations and, and they're, they're messing with you and all of that. I have not had any direct threats of any sort um, from anyone claiming or not claiming to be any sort of agents or operatives. Um, having said that, I am sure there are various operatives and things in what is whatever the truth movement is or is not. Is it, you know, in this milieu, of course, it's infiltrated, and there are in, not everyone is who they seem. So, you know, to what extent have I related with people who turned out not to be what they I thought they were or whatever? Of course, that sort of stuff happens. But in terms of direct threats or or direct censorship clampdowns, not really. And it's interesting. Um, there are times when I'm working on the website and I update something and uh, and and delete a file accidentally or something, and you know the site goes down and oh god, oh, I got to fix this. And in the time when I'm scrambling to get the the site back up and fixed, I already have you know 15 emails from people. You're you you've been taken down. They they've, they've taken you down. They've censored you. It's the man. And I'm like uh. <laughs> Actually, I'm the man in this case. I, I hit the wrong button kind of thing. So that's happened actually much more than any sort of censorship. And uh, I mean, make of that what you will. Some people will say that's because you're not talking about the real issues, James. But I think it's actually because yeah, uh, on the bigger scheme of things, in the, the bigger planetary scheme, I individually am not a threat to the the power structure the system you know the, the entire planet no individual really is and that's the lone wolf mentality that i think we need to have rather than trying to build one figurehead into the leader of the truth movement that we almost know it's it's all of us acting as a bi billion points on this node network that we can all interact with each other and and uh, and build each other up. And it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about any individual who's watching this. It's about all of us in our multitude individual ways. And in that, that's uncensorable. And of course, I mean, how how would any intelligence agency deal with 
you know, seven billion people who are switched on and active and and doing what I'm doing. They they couldn't possibly do it. And I think that's the point. Let's make so many moles that they can't whack them all to try to get them down again. And uh, so that's 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 the way I look at it. And thankfully, yeah, I mean, I've been here eleven years doing what I'm doing. Having said that, I cannot imagine that eleven years from now the internet will look like what it looks like today. I mean, there are some huge changes that are happening, huge clampdowns. And probably, as always, there will be a ways around any upload filters and censorship and copyright and what have you. There will be ways around it, technological ways, but you have, you'll have to try. You'll have to, you'll have to be savvy. You'll have to educate yourself on these things. And that's the problem because, of course, the status quo is what most people go along. If you go along to get along and whatever the system is presented to you, okay, now we need to fingerprint to get on the internet or whatever it is, whatever's coming down the line. Oh, okay, well, let's just line up and do that. So I, uh, I, I, see, I foresee some potential in the future, not just against me, but against any sort of independent media really having this type of effect. But again, that's even more impetus for me here today to do what I can while I can, because who knows down in the future whether this will even be possible. Well, you certainly made your mark, and I know other others have too, um, and you, you associate with a lot of them, and, and there's a lot more out there. The movement is huge. I like your view on, on things. Decentralization is very powerful. The idea itself is the, what the truth movement is all about, and the different people have different interpretations, different skills. I love it. In fact, it would be good, great if we could run a country like that rather than have one figurehead where all the lobby groups come together and, and compromise or threaten until he does what they want. They can't do that to us because we're all little pieces of a, of a huge, we're all minnows comprising of a giant whale, uh, so to speak. Um, and one other thing that we've got here, James, is the authenticity, and I'm sure that comes through anyone who uses an ounce of discernment will listen to you and, and, and countless others, and they'll see, you know what? There's a genuine human being, and the mainstream media can't do that. And that's what this is all about, interviewing people who are genuine, who I believe are in the truth movement, uh, doing great stuff, and some of them new, some of them not, some of them, you know, different, all different spectrums. And I, I really appreciate that you spent your time here uh, giving us um, um, authenticity and, and giving us a credo that, you know, we're on, we're, we're on the right track. The truth seekers path is your path, James. It's my path. It's many of our paths. And um, people that listen to this will identify with you. They can't identify with that talking head who's a paid actor, who's reading from a teleprompter, who's working for a corporation, who specializes in nothing. He's got no passion at all. And he covers all the news. Come on. Yeah, but he has a nice smile and well-coiffed hair and a $2,000 tailored suit and all of the million-dollar studio. So he's uh, well-prepared to uh, propagandize the people. But on the note of authenticity, let me just say that I really personally appreciate the people who don't mistake 100% agreement for authenticity. Because there are people out there that once they hear some, me say something they don't agree with, oh, you know, you're, you're crazy about whatever, climate change or whatever the issue is. And then then it's obvious I'm a shill. Oh, you must be a shill, right? Because you you agree, you disagree with me on something. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the people who can actually engage with people that they even disagree with and not immediately jump to that level that, oh, that, that's just a shill. Because that's the intellectually weakest way of dismissing someone 
that you or something that you disagree with. Oh, if you believe that, you must you the only possible explanation for the disagreement could be that you're paid to say this or that. Whereas, you know, I mean, of course, no one is going to 100% agree with everything I say and believe. And I've been seeing, say, sitting here for 11 years talking. I mean, obviously, there's going to be something in there that someone's going to disagree with. But the question is, what do you do with that disagreement? And what, so is there information? Do you, do you need to adjust based on this information? Or do I need to adjust based on that information? And nobody's perfect. And we're all just stumbling along here. But uh, to give people... Yes, I mean, to, uh, to have the discernment to understand that disagreement does not necessarily mean that someone is inauthentic. Right, well said. So many people have a, a, an agenda, they come in with an agenda, they want to prove someone else wrong so that by comparison they feel themselves right, and we just have to watch out for that. It's just part of the deal, I suppose. <laughs> Spend time in any comment section on the internet and <laughs> that's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. James, you said you had a half an hour, and I, I'm I want to keep it to a half an hour this time, just to just to show, you know, that I can uh, do something <laughs> within half an hour. I, none of my previous have been half an hour, but I know you're very busy. Uh, tell us just in a two words, what's it like life in Western Japan, and uh, are you satisfied keeping on doing what you're doing? Is this life good for you? 100% yes. I uh, feel completely at home and completely comfortable where I am. And obviously now with my family, this literally is home. This is my home now. So I, I certainly do feel comfortable here. And I have the space and the ability to do what I'm doing. And I realize if I was back home in Canada, yeah, I think it would probably be a different relationship with the uh, authority figures. But here I am in Japan where you know, people don't generally speak English that well at all. So I'm not there. I have some Japanese listeners. I know I do, but not not a lot. And I'm not well known here. And I've only ever been stopped on the street in Japan once by someone who recognized me. And that was actually a foreigner here in Japan, not a Japanese. So so I think I, I think it's a nice place for me to be and to be doing what I'm doing. And just generally in the the, the, the country itself, I'm very comfortable with in the, the culture and the way it's uh, set up. So I I'm, uh, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can keep doing it. That's inspiring for the rest of us. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate your time. Take care. All right, it's just...